Hello everyone, listeners new and old, this is the Undisputed Future Podcast. I am your host, C.D. Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion. And don't forget that C.D. stands for Creative Discussion, and boy, did the creative of NXT get shaken up this week. We have a lot of chaos and controversy involving the NXT Tag Team Championships, but first things first, I want to dive right in and congratulate Beth Phoenix on joining the NXT commentary team. Percy Watson has decided to pursue other aspirations and goals in his career, and I believe he's heading on the acting track. So Percy, if you're out there, I honestly can't wish you enough of the best of luck. Really saw some improvement on commentary, really thought he was going to go somewhere. I really enjoyed his work, whether it be on NXT or 205 Live. I really think that Showtime should have continued, but doors open and many different chapters need to start for everybody should the opportunity arise. But Beth Phoenix able to add a woman's voice to the NXT commentary table. I see that as a valuable aspect. She has done commentary in the past on the Mae Young Classic, and I was very, very intrigued by her insight as it went for women's wrestling, and I really can't wait to see her become more of an over, more of an all-around sort of voice on WWE programming. So Beth Phoenix, I'm really happy that she's there. Nice to have a Hall of Famer on the commentary table once again. And yeah, really just, just a really different change unique chemistry yet to build between the three of them, but I really do feel like Beth Phoenix was able to add a little something special to this week on commentary. It's never ideal when you have a change of a team because it kind of feels like we're starting over. Of course, we have Moro and Nigel, a dynamic duo of of NXT commentary, and I'm really hoping that Beth is able to contribute to that. Now, on to the chaos, the NXT tag team titles. May 15th edition of NXT. That's what I'm talking about today. The Viking War Raiding Experience. Now, the Viking Raiders, Ivar and Eric, as they are now to be known. So, RIP to Harry Hansen and Rampaging Row. If you've listened to the show before, you know those are the ne- those are the nicknames I have donned upon these Viking Raiders. But Ivar and Eric looking to relinquish these NXT Tag Team titles strictly on a stance that We've beaten everybody, and we can't be beaten, so why should we have to defend the titles? Let's just put them up for grabs, I guess, being their mindset. So looking for an interaction with Mr. Regal to vacate these titles. But the Street Profits say not so fast, because the Street Profits brought the big fight to the big men. They came out swinging at their last NXT Tag Team title defense. So the Street Profits know they can beat the Viking Raiders, According to them, the NXT Universe has faith that they can beat the Viking Raiders. And honestly, guys, I'm on that bandwagon myself. Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford absolutely tore up the ring last time they were in the ring with the Viking Raiders, but just took a small little bit of window that the powerhouses were able to overcome and successfully defend their titles once again. So the NXT Universe is on notice and on the edge of their seats, waiting to see who could defeat the Viking Raiders. If that is your real name, a very sweet burn dropped by Angelo Dawkins. Just kind of a little nudge to us surrounding the naming controversy. And uh, it was quite the experience to sit there and watch. 
So the Street Profits calling out saying that you cannot beat us again. And honestly, Regal kind of thought the same thing. The Raiders would assume their hardware once again, pick it up, and be ready to defend it later tonight in a main event that ended in chaotic and controversial fashion. But I do want to get to that just a little bit later. Let's move on to a hot topic that I have been dying to discuss and would like to continue to discuss, and that is the undisputed tension within the undisputed era. Kathy Kelly meeting up with Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish, questioning the leadership of Undisputed Era. Now, on television, it was phrased as to who was the leader of Undisputed Era. I personally don't agree with that insight. I really think it was a question of quality of leadership by Adam Cole. I really don't think there has been any question in the past as to who is the forefront and who is the leader of the Undisputed Era. Let's think back to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. Who made the biggest impact right after the NXT take, NXT Championship match? Excuse me. This was, of course, after that Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly made their names known once again after the NXT Tag Team title bout. But Adam Cole is making the biggest impact, bringing the faction together, bringing in Roderick Strong through weeks and weeks of persistence. So I really think Kathy was not questioning who the leader was, but rather what the leader plans to do surrounding the recent bitterness displayed by Roderick Strong. If you go back to that WWE.com exclusive, there was a lot of heated tension and a lot of argumentative language going about, and I'm using that term loosely. I've never heard that many bleeps on WWE television in quite some time. So a lot of strong language being thrown Roddy's way. And don't worry, guys, that's not my only strong pun I have for this segment. Now, as this interview was going on, there was a lot of commotion in the background with various security members, and I even believe I saw maybe one or two other talents we might have seen on television before, but a lot of commotion surrounding the backgrounds of this Undisputed Era interview, and who would appear right after this? It would be Roderick Strong, and Roderick Strong almost admitting to Adam Cole that Roddy agreeing that they are stronger together. There's pun number two. I think I'm done. I really do. (laughs) Anyway, Roddy coming out and saying, Adam, you were right. Let's kind of put this aside. Let's try and get back on the same page. Let's unite and continue our dominance as a team. And even handing over a flip-flop trophy, seemingly. Kind of like when, uh, I mean, I've never done it, but you go hunting in the wilderness and you take a bucks, antlers, or even mounting their head ready to be stuffed. It was kind of along those sort of sinister lines. So Roddy put the beat down on the original bro, taking out the OG bro right after that past week of controversy, looking to get back on Adam Cole's good side, and looking to reunite the brotherhood of the dude crew in the Undisputed Era. Now where I'm hoping this leads is I'm not sure what the North American championship picture will look like. I'm hoping that we get Roderick Strong versus Matt Riddle in an NXT TakeOver match. No titles, just strictly building off this story. Because I really feel like not every match on an NXT TakeOver can be a championship match. Just to have meaning. 
I really like when a rivalry is built, especially with this slow burn and controversy that seems to be erupting within the Undisputed Era. Roderick Strong looking to prove himself and his loyalty and by really putting the beat down and the boots to Matt Riddle, I really do feel like Roderick Strong is back in the fold and that Undisputed Era finally back on the same page after a couple of questionable weeks. I'm going to jump ahead to a little bit later in the segment just because this all kind of pieces together. Matt Riddle would be seen backstage getting bandaged up. Presumably this was a rib and back injury, which to nobody's real surprise, Roderick Strong, the messiah of the backbreaker. You see those steel guardrails lining the outside of Full Sail University. So I'm only kind of putting the pieces together in my own mind to what kind of sneak attack and damage Roddy could have done within that environment. Johnny Gargano coming to the side and the aid of the original bro. Gargano claiming that Matt Riddle will be fine and he is fully aware that the Undisputed Era will continue to have their target on him next and before anything else were to go down, Johnny Gargano claiming that Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, the sequel, will take place at NXT TakeOver 25. We've seen this match go down, and I've seen a lot of people questioning why this match would happen again, so on and so forth, and what kind of story this tells. My perspective on it is that Gargano was beaten in that first fall to Adam Cole, and the driving story behind Adam Cole's claim to the NXT Championship was, I beat you first, Johnny. I scored that first fall. Any original matchup, I would have been crowned NXT Champion. So Gargano wants to prove that one more fall, once and for all, can solidify his championship reign to this point. Adam Cole and the rest of Undisputed Era really looking to make an impact on this road to take over 25, really to nobody's surprise, and with the chaos going on in the NXT Tag Team title picture, I can only imagine when Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish are going to step up again and once again put their names in the hat for a possible third record-breaking title reign with those NXT Tag Team Championships. So the TakeOver 25 card is shaping up. Let's jump around just a little bit before I talk about the returning Keith Lee and before I discuss the winning ways of Kushida again. Let's take a flashback to Io Shirai and Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler overseeing a sparring match between her Queen's Army compatriots in Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir. Io Shirai would not take too kindly to the past couple weeks of blindsiding and especially... And what I see as the driving force of her hostility is the vicious assault laid into her best friend, Kyrie Sane. Io Shirai and Shayna Baszler officially made, well, officially made official, I guess, for the NXT TakeOver 25 card. Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano and Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai. Those were the two matches that were advertised locally for the ticket promotion that I promised not to spoil, blah, blah, blah. The writing was on the walls. I'm sure all of you listening to the show are smart enough to put those pieces together at that point, but um, I just live in the spoiler-free zone, and right, literally right after I said that, maybe the day after I put out the episode, Triple H advertised, oh, TakeOver 25 tickets are going on sale. You don't want to miss Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano and Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai. So my efforts were kind of kind of thwarted, but uh, 
He's the boss man and he can let as much reveal as he possibly can go. Special shout out to anybody who may be attending NXT TakeOver 25. Be sure to reach out to me on the social media and I would be more than happy to meet up with some fellow Team NXT members at podcast underscore UF on the Twitter. Probably the best way to reach me. Special shout out to Bauer Club Guy for aiding me in purchasing and procuring these tickets. So thanks buddy. I can't wait to see you once again. What else we got going on? We have the returning Keith Lee taking on the big Brazilian bomber and breakout star Cesar Banani. Timing is everything in pro wrestling, folks. And uh, last we saw Keith Lee, he was in the middle of a heated rivalry with Dominic Dijakovic, but Keith Lee had an injury setting him back a couple weeks. Dijakovic then taking his sights and feasting his eyes on the North American Championship and the Velveteen Dream, but Dijakovic would suffer a torn meniscus, taking him out of action. So Keith Lee and Dijakovic rivalry put on put on holds, but I feel like it's far from over. Two talented big men cannot wait for this Haas fight to finally be settled in a traditional and final finish. If you recall correctly, their heated matchup would end in a double countout, and quite frankly to the chagrin, of the Full Sail crowd and many viewers at home. I know I really wanted to see where that match would end. But let's shift back to Keith Lee returning against Cesar Banani. Two big men colliding. Cesar would get some good shots in, but honestly, I really didn't feel... I expected more of a back-and-forth matchup, but Keith Lee just no ring rust, looking like a million bucks, basking in the glory of another victory, and that would not come easily. Pounce to the ounce when a big former Texas football star hits you with a pounce, you are sure to feel that one, and of course, the spirit bomb would crush the spirit of Cesar Banani, the over, the just about seven-footer, I want to say. Cesar Banani's no small dude in his own right. He's tall, He's got a good look to him. I really feel like Cesar is in for some good things, whether it's by himself or with his Brazilian fellow countrymen in Adrian Jaud, whether a successful tag team were to take off from there or not. I'm not really sure where that's headed, but Cesar, the almost seven-footer, would be sent six feet under, and Keith Lee would bask in the glory of a returning victory. The Limitless One looking great here. I really can't wait to see where Keith Lee heads from here because, like I said, I was really looking forward to where that Dijakovic rivalry was headed. But where Keith Lee fits in the folds, we could see another possible North American title contender with the Limitless One. I know Lee versus Velveteen Dream would be a charismatic rivalry for days. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking for some big things to come with this North American Championship division. Who steps up and takes the title from the Velveteen Dream? That's a question to be later on answered, but who is going to step up and challenge him next? I really feel like this Dijakovic injury has opened up the field more. Keith Lee able to step up, maybe even the most recent debuting Japanese phenom to the NXT brand. If Kushida continues his winning ways, he could possibly see himself as a contender for championship gold as well. But Kushida may have his hands full with an unexpected talent to arrive 
in NXT. Let's jump into that match next. Kushida would take on the finest in Kona Reeves. And like I mentioned last week, and what seems to be a pattern so far, can't really say for sure, it's only two matches in for Kushida on NXT TV, but he surrenders the size advantage to his opponents. Cassius had it on him last week, Kona has it on him this week, but they had the same advantage, but fell in similar fashion. Kushida really knows how to use his speed and technical prevalence to overcome and dominate his opponents in a matchup. He's a submission magician in his own right, not to steal a nickname from Shayna Baszler, the Queen of Spades, but I'll call a spade a spade. Kushida, a very technical, a very proficient superstar when it comes to the ground game. And somebody else who fits that bill is Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak having his own trouble on 205 Live, maintaining friendships and keeping up with the, uh, with I guess of a posse of his own. We saw what he tried to do for Humberto Carrillo, another popular NXT talent, and gentleman Jack Gallagher. That alliance kind of seems to be falling to the wayside as well. So Gulak spectating Kushida and possibly scouting new associates. That was at least my first impression. Anyway, back to Kushida. Kushida really so dynamic in the way he takes it to the larger opponent. Able to outspeed, able to just outthink his opponents, especially with somebody of, uh, let's be nice here. And uh, while he's improving, while he's improving, I'm not going to go on an anti-Kona Reeves rant here like some of you may be used to. Kona did improve this week. I did see some new maneuvers out of him. I did get to witness some power display over Kushida. So uh, not all bad things for the finest of NXT. But there's just some things Kona would not be able to outmatch. And that especially includes the aerial assault to the outside that Kushida brought to Kona. What a swanton bomb to a standing Kona Reeves to the outside of the ring. What an impressive high spot in this matchup. From there, it would pretty much be all surfing for the time splitter. The hoverboard lock would lock up win number two on NXT. That Kimura lock at a vertical base. When your elbow is perpendicular to the mat, it's not supposed to bend that way. Locking on the double wrist lock, I can only imagine the pain in the elbow and the shoulder. And the way that Kushida is able to work that on a larger opponent match after match so far, it really stood out to me. And uh, Kushida able to pay to his strengths. But Gulak, despite my enthusiasm, Drew Gulak did not seem to share this same enthusiasm. Kind of looking unimpressed with the work of the Japanese time splitter, Kushida. Really can't wait to see where that rivalry goes. Drew Gulak on NXT is always a welcome sight. I thoroughly enjoyed his clash with Eric Bugenhagen. By the way, more Bugenhagen on NXT television, by the way. Another man who has charisma up the wazoo. Anyway, Drew Gulak versus Matt Riddle, another enjoyable matchup on NXT. That match taking place after that victory over Bugenhagen and really delivered a submission clinic. So I'm really looking forward to a possible rivalry brewing. Maybe Drew Gulak... I wouldn't mind if Drew Gulak took a similar approach to how he seems to be building his most recent opponents. Wanting to reach out, wanting to extend a handshake, somebody reluctant towards the end of siding with Drew Gulak. 
I really see like that could turn around. Kushida possibly saying, I want to make my impact on my own. Drew Gulak taking exception to that. And boom, there's our next rivalry for Kushida. And there goes a very good program for Gulak to have in NXT. The whole world's collide circuit so far here, guys, really seems to be meshing. I don't mind it, and I'm very much for it, to be honest with you. The way that NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live seem to be operating as one roster and one brand, kind of having a week-to-week sort of shake-up, and just being able to deliver so many unique rivalries and matchups. For example, this past week on 205 Live, now Cruiserweight Champion Tony Nese took on NXT UK's Ligero in the O2 Arena. The O2 Arena and... The NXT UK talents brought in Mark Andrews and even one half of their tag team champions in James Drake. So a lot of worlds colliding just from television program to television program, not exclusively on one show. So I'm thoroughly enjoying the clash of rosters going on within these WWE network exclusive shows. Let's shift gears just a little bit. To women's action, I discussed the NXT Women's Championship picture, but I'm not done there, and neither is Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair looking to appeal for another title opportunity, appealing through Kathy Kelly, because apparently maybe William Regal told her you're asking for too much, too much all the time. Not really sure where that's heading, Uh, not really sure why Belair is claiming to be undefeated still. When we've seen her shoulders hit the mat and her tap out to Shayna Baszler. Maybe she's going about it in a singles comp. No, she lost to Shayna one-on-one for that title as well. Although, if it is a mindset thing, if it is having that undefeated, I can't be taken down mindset, I do admire the confidence of the EST. But the HBIC, Mia Yim, is not done with Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair winning a matchup last week against Mia Yim in controversial, be it unique fashion, where Belair would use her hair to to tie herself up in the ropes and secure the cradle over Mia Yim. Really innovative way to use the ropes. And uh, I really prefer that use of the ponytail over the hair whip to the midsection. I really think that Belair is displaying the versatility of her unique look. So Mia Yim and Bianca Belair, a rivalry that seems to be brewing in the undercard section of the NXT women's division, be on the lookout for a rematch in the works between these two women's talents. Speaking of more women's talents, the Vision, Vanessa Bourne competing in singles matchup for the first time in a while, accompanied by her bad and bougie best friend or I like to think they're best friends. They seem to have the same attitude and a lot of chemistry going for them. Vanessa Bourne, accompanied by Aaliyah, would take on Jessie. Jessie, a Mae Young Classic competitor, and something her and Vanessa Bourne have in common is they have both lost to the real black belt in Tynera Conti. So, yeah, just, just kind of sharing a scoreboard on that one. Both of these ladies have impressive backgrounds in their past. Jesse, a renowned college athlete in just about everything you could think of. I kind of lost track, wasn't able to write all them down. I heard volleyball, track and fields, maybe even basketball thrown in there as well. Jesse, a very versatile athlete, 
Vanessa Bourne, an athlete in her own right. I know she was a talent for the Miami Heat cheerleading squad at one point. I remember that being a standout talent. And by the way that woman looks, I have no doubt about her being on the stage of professional sports in the cheerleading capacity. Vanessa Bourne, an absolute smoke show. Anyway, enough of, uh, let me just wipe the drool off my mouth there for a second, and let's jump into this matchup. Vanessa Bourne and Jesse both getting their fair share of shots in, but it would come down to the X factor of the alliance of the bad and bougie ones in Aaliyah. Now, I noticed Aaliyah going for a slap at first, but uh, apparently that Gucci bag was sliding off her arm, so she had to do something about it and wind up for an even stronger strike and really took Jesse out of her wits and really feeling like that was the X factor in that one. Jesse going for some aerial turnbuckle offense, able to be countered by Vanessa Bourne, and I really, really liked the way that this matchup was finished. Vanessa Bourne hitting what looked like to me a running snapmare driver, just spiking the top of, not sure if it was the top of the head or back of the neck, but either way, a very harsh landing for Jesse, and this would lead to Vanessa Bourne picking up her first singles victory for, wow, I'm, I honestly can't remember the last time Vanessa Bourne had a one-on-one matchup where she was successful. Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah looking to maintain this confidence and chemistry in the women's division. I would really like to see the tag team spotlight shine on these two. I really want to see one formidable tag team in NXT gel together, get a couple wins, really start to build themselves up and call out the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Because like we know from the run that Sasha Banks and Bayley had, these titles are to be defended on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. So I really want to see, I mean, a lot of tag team, a lot of tag team talking points on this show. So I want to see some women tag teams step up, build a couple wins, and call out whoever the tag team champions may be. I'm thoroughly enjoying the Iconics run thus far. I really think it's long overdue. I think they should have been the inaugural and the inaugural women's tag team champions. They are the longest reigning tag team. Longest running tag team, excuse me, there's, well, they might be the longest reigning champions sooner than later in this infancy of those titles, but they're the longest running alliance going in all of WWE. There's no bad blood, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, friends for years, we've seen them grow through the NXT system together. Yes, they've had their fair share of singles matches, but the alliance of the Iconics has always been there. And I'm really waiting for a team to gel and for some tag team to catch my eye in the women's division exactly like the Iconics have and continue to do. Let's move on from the women's tag team division hopefuls and let's talk about the reality occurring in the NXT Tag Team Championship picture. The Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders in an anticipated rematch, especially based off their last match. This time, it would be another fast start brought to the match, but it would be initiated on the other side, this time by the Viking Raiders. The Viking Raiders taking the offense to the Street Profits right off the bat, looking to solidify their claim that nobody can beat them in the center 
of the ring. But the Street Profits are no opponents to overlook. Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins would bring the big fight to the big men again. And it was all go. It was all go and plenty of show from the fast-pacedness of Montez Ford to the outrageous athleticism displayed by the Raiders to the dueling cartwheels occurring between Hanson... That's going to be a hard habit to break here, team. I'm sorry. The dueling cartwheels between Ivar and Angelo Dawkins really, really display of showmanship in this one. Really, this was everything you could want in a tag team title clash. Plenty of back and forth. And just when the action starts to pick up, the Forgotten Sons rolling in. The Forgotten Sons, William Regal's office was under plenty of plenty of business this week. The Forgotten Sons looking to not be forgotten again in the tag team title picture. And they would make their message known, rolling on in, interfering in this matchup causing a no contest to the chagrin and disappointment of not just Full Sail University, but plenty of us watching at home. I love a good old title change on NXT TV. It's really unexpected, does not happen too often, and when it does happen, it usually leads to way bigger things. My case in point for this one is when Tommaso Ciampa beat Aleister Black on NXT television to begin his NXT championship reign. So you're thinking, at least I'm thinking, okay, this match, the Street Profits are going to win in unfathomable fashion and lead to another reign of surprise. And the Viking Raiders would move on up and just continue their dominance over the Raw Tag Team Division, take out all their frustration from this loss on another set of Tag Team Champions in Hawkins and Ryder. But of course, the Forgotten Sons, reason why we can't have nice things, these three, not all of them are monsters, so I don't want to say all monsters, just these three thugs, I guess, for lack of a better term, causing absolute pandemonium. But another team that has history and bad blood with the Forgotten Sons, the one-two punch of Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, reigniting their bad history, or continuing their bad history, I should say, causing absolute pandemonium. However, the Street Profits would go on to write their own ending amidst the chaos, executing their blockbuster electric chair drop, which I'm not sure if that move has a name, but it's flashy enough, displayed by two flashy superstars, and really think it should have their own flashy name for a finisher. And these guys would go on to fill the three count themselves. Montez Ford would pin Eric, and Dawkins would count the 1-2-3, filling in the blank of new NXT tag team titles, tag team champions, excuse me. These guys are displaying gold, they are not made of gold. Uh, where, Where else would it go from here? Everybody felt the wrath of the Raiders after this one, a quick recovery, Absolute chaos, hard to keep up with the action, even if you if you think an independent podcaster is having trouble, the mainstay of NXT commentary, Moro Ronaldo, was having trouble keeping up with all of the chaos. I just know these bottom lines here, folks. Birch and Warkin would feel the wrath of the Raiders, and Wesley Blake would get his own Viking experience in the form of Thor's hammer in the middle of the ring, just an absolute 
open playing field looking like a battleground. The tag team title picture would be put in absolute dissension and chaos. And before I get to this morning's breaking news, at 10.34 a.m. on Thursday, May 16th, that's right now when I'm recording this show, the NXT tag team titles would be officially vacated and we will hear from William Regal in a statement this coming week on NXT TV. But let me fantasy book for a while. Let me just get you into my direct mindset afterwards on NXT television. You see the ending to this show. I'm thinking, okay, Street Profits are not done with their last crack at the titles. Ivar and Eric, Viking Raiders, definitely looking to display their dominance and put a final stamp on this rivalry. So those two teams obviously in the picture. Forgotten Sons making it to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals, not looking to be forgotten again in the gold landscape. They want to make their names known as well. So okay, that displays a triple threat tag team field. But wait, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, before they go on to do their respective roles, at least what I'm foreshadowing for them, and I see Oni Lorcan as a major player in the Cruiserweight division, already making an impact on 205 Live, and Danny Birch could be moved to the NXT UK roster full-time, being the veteran of that roster, able to carry a couple of the young up-and-rising talents in that division, and... The Viking Raiders would get their last hurrah. One-two punch would be sent off on their own NXT tag team title picture claim as well. Those guys seemingly going their own separate ways. And then the Street Profits and the Forgotten Sons. Whoever doesn't walk out of NXT TakeOver 25 with those titles would have their own sort of rivalry. I could definitely see the Forgotten Sons and the Street Profits mixing it up for the forcoming weeks on NXT TV and possibly going until the next takeover. All that sounds good, right? When was the last time, if ever, we've seen a fatal four-way tag team title match for an NXT takeover? I've been to seven of them. Well, I'll be going to my seventh one. I don't remember it seeing in person. I don't remember after years and years of watching since NXT arrival that we've seen a fatal four-way in the tag team title picture. But all of those predictions would be sent flying out the window when I read social media this morning. And I'm honestly quite glad I waited until 11 a.m. as opposed to 10 a.m. to get to recording this show. So breaking news, the NXT tag team titles have been vacated. William Regal will make a statement on the May 22nd edition of NXT. Give me your thoughts on this one though, guys. Who do you see stepping up to the plate out of these teams to take their rightful claim for the gold at NXT TakeOver 25? It's really shocking to have another title vacated in the scape of NXT. Shayna Baszler, really the only consistent champion. North American Championship has had their fair share of claims to the gold already. Most recently, Velveteen Dream still waiting, like I mentioned before, for an opponent to step up and want to challenge him at TakeOver 25. Could be Matt Riddle or Roderick Strong. I would love to see that rematch from NXT TakeOver New York. I would love to see Roddy make one of the first claims to gold for the Undisputed Era in 2019 and start to fulfill that promise that was made in the beginning of the year. That's about does it for the May 15th edition discussion of NXT. Just a couple quick money in the bank predictions for you. 
I'm talking about the two ladder matches. In the women, and I see former NXT champions in their own right staking their claim to the money in the bank contract. I think there is no man more dangerous in the men's ladder match to hold on to that contract than the Scottish Terminator in Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, of course, a former NXT champion in his own right. I was fortunate enough to witness him winning that title at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3, and that cycles back around to the impact that Adam Cole made, baby. So yeah, Drew McIntyre for men's Money in the Bank contract winner, and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Sheenom to get her due. The war goddess Ember Moon, I really want to see her get her chance to step up to the plate and claim that contract in the women's division. Be sure to throw all of your, not just TakeOver 25 predictions, but feel free to interact with me during Money in the Bank. I'm going to be doing my best to live tweet my main roster shows as well, be it I don't discuss them on the podcast, but I am always a WWE watcher. And, oh, I didn't even mention this, but just to show my even further further scope in the worlds of pro wrestling, Congratulations to All Elite Wrestling, AEW, officially named as a show on TNT. And I don't remember the exact name of the UK television channel, so any of my UK listeners out there want to deliver that information to me, I would be more than appreciative. Be sure to keep up with me on the social media at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter, my main form of communication with all you Team NXT members, main roster discussion, just general wrestling discussion, and I'm more than happy to share any of my opinions with you. I'm always open-minded to hearing other perspectives of the world of NXT at Undisputed Future Podcasts. Whole one word is the Instagram. Be sure to check out my most recent post on the aforementioned vacated NXT Tag Team Championships. Which team do you want to step up and secure possibly their first reign with those championships? Uh, Facebook page exists. Not my most updated personal piece of social media. Rarely use Facebook for these purposes. I'm just not that into it, but be sure to give me a like over there. Anyway, I know I do a really good selling point for the Facebook But thank you no matter how you are listening to me. I could not do this without you. There is no I in Team NXT. There is no Undisputed Future Podcast without all you listening. Whether it be on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, CastBox FM, any form of Android device, anywhere you can get your podcasts. Apparently I'm on Alexa, Amazon Alexa's audio programs as well. Anywhere my RSS feed can be found, anywhere, anytime you are listening to this show, I honestly cannot thank you enough. That about does it for me this week. This has been episode 86. I am your host, CD, Danny Mac. Thank you so much for listening. I could thank you each and every time. I could thank you every 30 seconds on this show. Really, guys, I appreciate the motivation. Thank you for listening to the longest-running, independently-produced NXT podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy Money in the Bank weekend.